You are listening to Serial Chillers, a Halloween special presented by Serial Sisters. I'm Jamie. And I'm Tess. We have been hard at work preparing for season two of the podcast, but this month we're coming out of hiatus to celebrate Halloween with you. For the next three weeks, we will be bringing you creepy, true stories every Wednesday. So grab a pumpkin spice latte, light your apple-scented candles, or whatever puts you in the Halloween spirit, then settle in for this week's terrifying tale. So if you're a regular listener, you'll notice the format for Serial Chillers is going to be slightly different than our typical episodes. Usually Tess and I share the responsibility of telling the story, but for Serial Chillers, Tess is actually going to be hearing the story for the first time with all of you and providing commentary on the fly. This is because we really wanted to create that telling stories around a campfire vibe for our Halloween series. And for those of you who don't know, Tess is expecting a baby girl any day. So this also ensures that if she goes into labor in the middle of this recording, we can still bring you an episode because the show must go on, right? (laughs) Yeah, thanks for preparing to just write me out on the fly if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you've got your own little Halloween fright on the way. (laughs) I I have a serial chiller on the way, so... um... If anyone has any advice for first-time parents, go ahead and let Tess know. If you have any scary stories for first-time parents, go ahead, go ahead and scare her for that. Um, I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to this. I know this is different for us, but I like that I kind of get to hang back and just see what you got for me. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I actually have a question for you. So the what we're going to be talking about today is Bloody Mary. You remember Bloody Mary, right? Yes, I do. Did you ever do Bloody Mary? Like, I don't remember if we ever did that together or anything as kids. I remember, so growing up, you know, we were always into the scary movies and haunted stuff, and I always wanted to do, like, seances and things like that, but when it would come time to do it, (laughs) I would always back out, so I don't know if I've ever actually followed through with the Bloody Mary, you know, whole scenario. I think I usually bounced before (laughs) we pulled the trigger. Yeah, well, so I've always had an assumption about how this ritual works, I don't, like I said, I don't remember. I'm sure I probably did try it at some point, but I don't really remember. I might have been like you. I was too scared and backed out. I always assumed that I knew how the ritual went, but I've read a couple of variations of how this goes. So I'm curious to know, how would you perform this if you were going to do it? Oh, yeah. I thought there was only one way that you just said bloody mary three times i don't even want to say it three times i have studio by myself right now with the lights <laughs> on <laughs> you say it three times and then you turn the lights on right in front of the mirror yeah well that's basically it but the weird thing is that i actually read where some people say that you say it 13 times 
Mm, I don't think I could stay in there long enough to say it 13 times. Yeah. So anyway, just kind of weird, but okay. Yeah. Just something to keep in mind. I'd be interested to know if anybody does it 13 times. I'm like you. I don't know if I'd have the nerve to stay in there 13 times. But anyway, Bloody Mary is actually based on a, not, I wouldn't say a true story, but a real person. Are you aware of this? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, this is so fun to me because I don't think I've thought about Bloody Mary since I was in school. Yeah, Um, and I don't remember what the story was behind it. I just remember it was like, you know, a thing that you tried with with your girlfriends or, you know, when you had sleepovers and stuff. So, yeah. So coincidentally, I actually have a full length mirror sitting right beside me at my desk because Mm -hmm. I've been rearranging furniture and I didn't really think much of it until now. And I'm like, okay, we really have to stop saying the name. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you do. And, you know, who wants to watch their self recording a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not facing me. It's actually facing. Uh, Yeah, I, I didn't get that crazy. So anyway, about the true story, we're going to get to a creepy story in a minute. Someone who did try Bloody Mary and actually had an encounter. I'll let you guys decide what to make of it when we get there. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about the backstory, since it is based on a real person. If you're like me, I didn't really, I knew that there was some person that was the real Bloody Mary, but I didn't really know the backstory. So The story of Bloody Mary is traced back to Mary Tudor, who was born in England in February of 1516 to King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. She was baptized into the Catholic faith shortly after birth, and she excelled academically and was named Princess of Wales by her father in 1525. King Henry VIII sought to negotiate a marriage for her, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. I don't really know how (laughs) marriage negotiations went down in the 1500s, but it just didn't work out. She remained single into her 30s, and keep in mind that in ancient times, the value of women, they were to be wives, homemakers, mothers. Since she wasn't married, King Henry needed a son to inherit his throne. So he decides to leave Catherine. This is where things get a little bit interesting family-wise. He declares his marriage to Catherine null because she had apparently previously been married to his brother. And so he said that the marriage was incestuous. Now, I don't know why he decided that then and not before. Yeah, so he just, you know, that's his excuse for leaving. I guess divorce wasn't typically an option under normal circumstances in the 1500s, but that's how he leaves. Then he marries Anne Boleyn, I believe is how you say the last name. I've read that she was Catherine's maid of honor, his former wife. I assume that maid of honors performed the same kind of roles like they do today. So basically, it sounds like this would have been a good friend of Catherine's. The plot continues to thicken. Okay, so King Henry VIII leaves the Catholic faith and he establishes the Church of England. His new wife, Anne, gives birth to another daughter, Elizabeth. And Anne starts to think that Mary is going to keep her daughter Elizabeth from inheriting the throne because Henry still has no son. 
But he finds out that Anne has done this, that he has tried to have Mary dethroned. And he considers this such a betrayal that he has Anne beheaded. <laughs> this is his wife. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, what's it, what else is he supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's some family drama there, obviously. Right. Divorce isn't an option, but he can cut her head off. <laughs> All right. I'm following you. <laughs> Look, I didn't make the rules, okay? <laughs> these these were just the rules. So, Henry finds himself a third wife, Jane Seymour. He and Jane finally have the son he's been waiting for, Edward. But Edward dies at 15 years old, which leaves Mary to inherit the throne. But... Mary needed to be married. So she eventually marries Philip II of Spain, which apparently, word on the street, is that they did not have the best marriage. It was probably more of an arrangement in order for her to be able to inherit the throne. He was known to be a very distant husband. They tried for a very long time to have children. They weren't able to, and this left her very depressed and unhappy. And so, you know, she's just kind of like the scorned wife, I guess you could say. She winds up wanting to bring back Catholicism. And so she, as a result, considers the Protestant faith to, to be heresy. She actually has Protestants burned, like burned at the stakes. And they say that she, that on the record, they think she had at least 300 people burned. And oh this is, yeah, uh, it's pretty sick. <laughs> and this is how she earned the nickname Bloody Mary. It's kind of strange because, she, I, you know, she was burning people. So it wasn't really, I mean, you know, there wasn't, I don't know if there was blood, but that's how she got the name is because she had many people's blood on her hands. Oh, and I always assumed it was like she was bloody, you know, that somehow referenced something that was done to her. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I always did too. And then, well, I guess, you know, as much as I thought about it, I was like, she probably, you know, got decapitated or something, you know, something very bloody, not, mm -hmm. not her burning people at the stakes, but that's how she earned the nickname. So people actually called her Bloody Mary in her lifetime. Hmm. Mary died in 1558. While I'm not sure if the cause of death was ever known, modern historians have said that they believe she may have been suffering from uterine or ovarian cancer, which would explain her trouble getting pregnant. It's just kind of a side note. Now, I think we can all agree that burning people at the stakes is terrible. It doesn't speak highly of Mary's compassion or humanity, but I want to point something out that I read when I was researching this. Many historians brought it up, and that was the fact that she was not the only person who had people killed. Her dad had his own wife beheaded. This was a fairly common practice at that time to have people executed in some way who broke whatever faith traditions that were part of their culture or whatever. And so they say that the reason that she was treated differently and looked at differently is strictly because she was female. 
And it's kind of funny because that was in the 1500s and we're in 2020 now. And I feel like we're not talking about differences and how people are looked at if they kill someone necessarily, but just in general, how there are different expectations for females. So it's still kind of relevant for 2020. Yeah. Women had to fight for their right to have people murdered back then. (laughs) I think Tess missed the point, guys. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway but I just wanted to kind of point out that uh, you know I'm not saying she didn't deserve to be called Bloody Mary but why wasn't her dad like Bloody Henry (laughs) you know so kind of interesting but that's the backstory of Bloody Mary we'll provide the sources at the very end of the episode if you want to dig deeper and find out more about how that story evolved into the Bloody Mary tradition that we know today but Basically, it's kind of one of those things like how urban legends and tall tales generally happen. You know, the story gets told over and over for several lifetimes. And then before you know it, we're chanting her name into a mirror. (laughs) So that's where we are. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you an actual encounter that someone submitted to us This person goes by the nickname Panda. Panda's from Texas. You'll hear Panda's story when we return. I tried the whole Bloody Mary thing two decades ago, and I still remember it well. It was my 10th birthday back in the late 90s, and a bunch of friends were at my house for a sleepover. We lived in McAllen, Texas at the time, which neighbored the Mexican border and the Gulf of Mexico. So it was hot there, and the humidity was atrocious. If you've ever visited Southern Texas, you know that suffocating feeling I'm talking about. To combat that, We had louver doors in the interior of the home, which if you don't know what that is, they're the ones with the wooden slits that you see in closets on every scary movie, the kind that you can peek through almost like blinds. We also had this really long, narrow hallway and all the bedrooms are off to either side as well as the bathroom where it happened. Just picture a bunch of 10 to 12 year old girls crowded around a huge mirror. I don't remember exactly how many of us there were, but I recall it being crowded for a standard size bathroom. The door, which we definitely left open by the way, opened inward. When the door was open, it hit our bathtub behind it. It was the neighbor's idea to perform the Bloody Mary ritual. Kat was the oldest of all of us girls. She was like 12, maybe 13. So you can just imagine a bunch of 10-year-olds wanting to do whatever the older kids said. We also kind of knew we probably shouldn't and that my parents probably wouldn't like it, which made it all the more exciting. We recite her name into the mirror, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Okay, I'm not going to say it again. (laughs) Cat strikes a match and lights a decorative candle. The flame dances and our faces glow in the mirror and we lean in, 
looking for the face that doesn't belong to any of us. The seconds ticked by, and eventually our goldfish child brains got bored. Obviously, it hadn't worked. So we moved on to eating cake, watching Disney movies, and eventually crashing on the living room floor. I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. A nightlight at the other end of the hallway illuminated my path as I groggily made my way to the toilet and shut the door behind me. Through the slats in the door, I saw a figure move past and figured mom had just come out to check on us. But when I opened the door, she wasn't there. Mom had this large round mirror that looked like a ship wheel hanging in the living room. It was more decorative than practical, but I could see bits of my reflection as I made my way back down the hallway, and I was relieved when, once again, the mirror was all clear. But then I did what you should never do if you're already feeling spooked. I looked back. Why do we look back? Standing at the other end of the hallway, illuminated by the dim light, was a large, dark figure as tall as the ceiling. Mm-mm. Was it mom? Were my eyes playing tricks on me? I really didn't know. I asked Kat what was supposed to even happen when we did the ritual, and she said she'd heard Bloody Mary would appear in the mirror and tell you your future. I guess you could say I was a brave kid, or just that curious, because I wound up performing the same ritual again the next night. But this time, I was alone. I waited and waited and nothing. Finally, I accepted defeat and went to blow out the candle when suddenly a gust of wind that was too strong to be from our AC travels through the house, blowing out the candle for me. I got this sinking feeling in my stomach that something wasn't right, and I took off out of the bathroom to hide under my covers in my bedroom. I never saw Bloody Mary, at least not in the mirror, but after that day, I started seeing shadowy figures and mysterious mists around the house. Then one day, my brother, my mom, and I came home from the supermarket, and the bathroom door was wide open into the hallway. Remember that the bathroom door opened into the bathroom, so it had been broken in order to open outward. We didn't have any indoor pets, and we were never able to find a reasonable explanation for how this happened. I don't know if it was Bloody Mary. All I know is that I haven't tried it a third time, and I don't ever plan to. Mm. What do you think? That's (laughs) creepy. That is really spooky, and you said something that made me think, you know, she, she said... Or I say it's a she. I'm not sure if it's a she or a he. Yeah, it's a it's a she. Um, okay. So this was a bunch of girls, you know, having a sleepover, doing right. their yeah. She mentioned she didn't know what was supposed to happen, and that freaks me out too because I have this fear of like opening up some sort of Pandora's box of something that I'm not prepared to deal with and can't close. <laughs> and thinking about doing that. Back then when we were kids, we had no idea. I didn't know what to expect. I knew you were supposed to see something in the mirror, you know, but I don't think I knew exactly what I was looking for if we were to even follow through with it, you know? Yeah, and and I I was kind of interested, like, you know, she said that 
uh, her neighbor friend Kat had said that it was, you know, supposed to tell you your fortune. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that. I wonder if that, if anyone's had that experience. Yeah, that's creepy. And the fact that nothing happened when they did it, but it sounded like they sort of, like I said, opened up some sort of door to allow this activity to happen. I wonder if she had any paranormal experiences after that that she mentioned, you know, after coming home and finding the door open like that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, they didn't elaborate on if anything else happened after that. I think that was kind of the big thing that made her think, you know what, (laughs) I don't know if that was Bloody Mary, but just in case, let's go ahead and not do that again, which I definitely wouldn't. So have you ever had anything creepy like that happen to you when you were just like, you know, can you think of a time where you were ever just like at home and something freaky happened? No, thank God. (laughs) it's so strange because I love ghost stories and paranormal stuff but I don't want any part of it (laughs) and I do think about and I don't even know if you are wanting to go into this but you told me a story about in your apartment years and years ago where you would hear something say your name like Jamie no that wasn't in my apartment that was actually when I was in like middle school and I was spending the night with my friend Kristen and it happened at her house yeah that was a long time ago but you know because she was sleeping on the couch I remember walking in there and I was like okay she's trying to scare me she came in here and said my name and now she runs off and she swore up and down for years and years after that that she was not playing a joke that she was legitimately sleeping so you know I don't know. I don't know what to make of that, but I definitely know someone said my name a couple times, and when I would look, there was nothing there. Yeah, that just spooks me, and my whole, like, I don't want to sound all hokey and, you know, but like I mentioned a few minutes ago, the thought of inviting something in and getting in over my head, opening a door I can't close or I'm not prepared to deal with, the yeah, thought of that really frightens me. So I like to hear other people's stories, but I try and stay away from it. Now, I will say my roommate in college, I would call her out on this, but she she's not into ghost or murder stuff. So she's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when we went to Washington, D.C. for my grad school interview mm-hmm. um, years ago. Well, she... Obviously, she didn't go, but she watched the dog, and she let the dog sleep with her, which was a big deal, because she wasn't hugely into that. Well, the reason why I found out is I had a bookshelf in between our two bedrooms in the house, Mm -hmm. and it was just covered. It was full of all of my true crime books. I had the paperback books, you know, so they weren't, they didn't take up a lot of space. So they would push way back into the shelf, you know, deep into the shelf. So -hmm. they wouldn't just slip out. Well, she said she heard a noise in the middle of the night and she got up and just one book had come out and was just laying in the floor face up. And it was one that just said murder and red on it yeah and so that's why she was letting the dog sleep with her in the bed and she was completely freaked out and you know what I mean those cheap bookshelves you could get from like Walmart and stuff when you're in college and yeah 
paper backs you just kind of jam in there so it's not like it, it you would have to pull it out so she was totally freaked out and she wanted no part of, <laughs> of any of those books being in the house or yeah because you know you have like, I've had things fall in the house that I'm like that nothing was disturbing that what made that fall <laughs> oh and you saying that about the book made me think of something I have not even told you this story I don't think um oh God. I was in I mean this happened just like a couple weeks ago it's not that freaky it's just kind of a weird thing that happened but I was in a store and I picked up this little journal and uh and you know it's just like a notebook that you write in well I was just I opened it just to see what if it was like blank pages or whatever and I opened it to the first page and it was handwritten on there and it said you're next <laughs> I was like next for what exactly <laughs> um uh-uh. yeah I took a picture of it so I'll I'll post it on our page for everyone to see and see if they think that was a message to be concerned by or if that might mean like you're next you're about to get millions of dollars <laughs> right. did you buy it I did not I was like you know <laughs> no thank you <laughs> just in case just... Else can be next <laughs> that's um, spooky yeah but anyway so and I know like when we were kids I think we just enjoyed freaking ourselves out. I know like probably everyone did this. I feel like this is a rite of passage when you're a kid, but you know, we would like walk down the street to the house that nobody was living in and be like, Oh my God, I totally saw shadowy figures in there. But it's like, you know, who knows? We were probably seeing shadows from the trees, but you get yourself like psyched up about it. Cause you, you kind of want to believe it in a way. Like you want a reason to be scared. Right. You do, but you don't. Yeah, it's like I wanna I wanna pretend that I saw something so I can have fun and be a little bit scared. But like if I legit saw something, I'd be running. So me too. And you know, uh, the I do the ghost walking tour every year out here for my birthday. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm out here in Portland, Oregon. For people who don't know, they do this haunted walking tour. I've done it every year for my birthday, which is four days after Halloween, actually. And they give you EMF readers and you go down into like the tunnels and they turn off all the lights and I love it. And they tell you some of the true like criminal history and the shady past of Portland. But the second my EMF reader reacts to anything, even if it's like electrical type stuff, I'm like, I'm out of (laughs) here. And I do it every year. I'm like, yes, it's time again. And then I'm like, "Uh -uh, I'm done. Yeah, Tess has made a habit of being a tourist in her own town. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Well, you know, we're from a small town, you know, so yeah it's like there's always something to explore. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Well, I'm I know I would like to know, I'm sure Tessie would too, if anyone that's listening has any creepy stories of things that have happened to them supernatural paranormal type things if you do let us know on social media we're on facebook at serial sisters and on instagram at serial sisters podcast we will be sharing serial chillers halloween stories every wednesday leading up to halloween so be sure to tune in again next week And if you're not scared enough, you can keep reading the true story of Bloody Mary by digging further into the sources used to create this episode, which are smithsonianmag.com, 
article title The Myth of Bloody Mary and Biography.com. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>